Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Mother Kind podcast. This is actually the last in this season because as you will know if you're a regular listener, through August we take a break and we just re-release past episodes that are our absolute favourites. So not only is it the last in the season, it's also a really special episode because it's with me, Dr. Neka Ihiogu and Dr. Emma Svanberg, talking about how to reset after this crazy time that we've all had. So today is launch day for my new online workshop called the Family Reset Plan and it is taught by Dr Necker and Dr Emma. So the three of us thought that we would get together to chat about how to reset. So why this time has been so hard for parents and it still is and what support your children might need right now and how to give that to them. So Dr Necker Full disclosure, she is one of my closest friends from university. She is also the best child psychologist I know. She is on my absolute speed dial list whenever I'm having a challenging time with either of my girls. So Dr. Neck has been working with families and schools. She actually specialises in educational psychology for children for 10 years. And she's co-founder of a business called Mellow Nest, which I highly advise you check out. Dr. Emma Svanberg, who you'll probably know because she's been on the podcast before. She's known as the mammologist. She's a clinical psychologist and she works as part of a collective supporting parents through every stage of their parenting journey. And I'm sure you would have seen Emma's brilliant online content that she does called The Village, where she supports people virtually with all her amazing wisdom, skills and ideas. So I suppose I should tell you a little bit about the plan, although we do talk about it in the episode as well. It's a virtual workshop, so that means that it's videos, there's a workbook and there's an audio only version. It's about two and a half hours in total and there's five modules taught by us three. So that's why we got together on this episode. So Dr. Emma, She teaches you how to handle your own stress so that it doesn't impact on your children and so that it doesn't impact on you, you know, new ways to handle the stress of this crazy time that we have been in and are still in. I teach a module in there on how to support yourself, really simple self-care ideas. And if you know me, you know I'm super passionate about teaching you those things. NECA does two modules in the Family Reset Plan. The first one is around how to help children with their feelings. And we talk about that a lot in the episode. And I share a little bit about how I've applied what NECA teaches and the difference that I've noticed in Jessie. She also teaches a really powerful episode on changes, transitions and disappointments because if we do go into another lockdown, that's going to be super useful tools to have, you know, how to handle that with our children. And even if we don't, you know, changing and transitioning back to school or back to normal childcare or whatever that might look like back to work for us, all everything that NECA teaches in that module, I think is super, super, super useful. And then I teach the final 
module of the plan which is called reshape your future where i share some i think pretty powerful if i do say so myself coaching questions to get you to think about what this time's meant for you as a family and individually and if there's any changes that you might want to make going forward so the plan is only 25 pounds i wanted to make it super accessible everyone keeps telling me that that's too cheap and that it should be at least double but I really do feel that it's so important that as many, many, many families and parents and caregivers can access this workshop as possible. It's also free if you work for the NHS and we do have lots of free places available as well if you're experiencing any financial difficulty as a result of coronavirus. So if you just go and have a look on the familyresetplan.co.uk or on the Motherkind website and it'll link you across, then you can find out how to buy the course. I really hope you enjoy the episode. I am super excited to be honest with you getting this workshop getting this family reset plan out into the world has kind of taken over my life and at times I've questioned myself to be really transparent like Rose is still so young this was a really big project to take on but actually I feel so passionately that parents and children need so much emotional support right now and I just couldn't see that it was being given anywhere so I really, really, really hope that my intention is realised, which is to support us all right now. You know, I think we really need it. Our children really need it. We have never been through anything like this collectively together. And I couldn't see that the support was being offered. So I've stepped in. And along with Dr. Emma and Dr. Necker, I think we've done a good job. So I can't wait to hear what you think. Anyway, I will stop talking now. As you can hear, I could probably talk about this all day long. And here is the episode. I hope you really enjoy it. As ever, get in touch. Let us know what you think. And I cannot wait to hear what you think of the reset plan. Well, welcome back, Emma because we have done an episode together before. And welcome, Neka. Thank you. It's so nice we're here with you. If you don't know, Neka, Dr. Neka, as I keep calling her, is actually one of my closest and best friends from university and also the best child psychologist that I know and is my hotline. Poor <laughs> Neka. I have anything parenting-related, I'm calling up Neka. So how are you both doing? Emma, how are you? I'm okay. It's been a really interesting few weeks, I think, as we start to ease out of lockdown. We're talking, you know, kind of towards the end of July. So things are starting to feel a little bit more open in some ways. And I think that's created a whole host of challenges for people, my family included, of course. So yeah, I think really interesting times that we're living in. And I'm really looking forward to talking about that with you today. Let's see how Dr. Necker is doing and then Emma I want to ask you about that easy mm-hmm. lockdown challenges yeah I think it's just been a bit of an up and down time really hasn't it for everyone I mean for me it's the work that I do with parents and my work in schools as well that I've kind of really been focusing on during this time and it's been tough I mean that's that's an understatement isn't yeah. it and yeah like you said Emma this time particularly is feeling mm. I mean, lots of people are feeling lots of different things for lots of different reasons, aren't they? But yeah, it's very much a case of just seeing what comes next. Mm. Something that I'm sort of seeing and hearing is that actually this easing, and I'm experiencing this myself, like we're having this very high class problem about holidays. Mm. Because I'm like, I 
quite up for going on holiday whereas guys like absolutely not don't you remember that we just didn't leave the house for like 10 weeks why do you think it's okay now to get on a plane and I think there's something about the black and whiteness of the rules of lockdown it was simpler hard really hard but in a way there wasn't that added layer of complexity around having to make nuanced and family level decisions which might be different from friends family other people's expectations are you hearing that Emma from your kind of community and clients a lot yes I mean it's even just the idea about do we go on holiday do we not go on holiday where do we go on holiday do we stay in the UK what does it feel like to maybe go to an area that you know you don't feel as comfortable in and I think there's some people there's the anxiety of it having felt quite safe being at home, having the door closed, being with your family. And I think for a lot of people, that feeling of just, I know where my children are and we're all at home and we're all together and I can keep everybody safe and that feels actually quite comfortable with the idea that there is this kind of big bad threat outside. So that's quite reassuring in some ways for lots of people. You know, that kind of reduces our anxiety levels about what's going on in the in the big wider world. Of course, there is still that anxiety going on in the background, but you feel like you're doing something about it. You know, there's a sense there that we're in control with this uncertainty about what it is that we can do. So there's a bit of sense of agency over that as well. And then now that we have so many questions to answer, and I think for those of us in the UK, it's been more difficult than in some countries because we're having to come to those solutions kind of on our own a bit more than in other countries where you know the kind of guidelines have been much clearer elsewhere so there's a lot more ambiguity there and I think that ambiguity often raises our anxiety levels and then we also have that added idea of conflict with friends and family that you mentioned Zoe that what if actually we're still feeling really anxious about opening things out again but our family particularly maybe grandparents who we feel like we've been shielding from for you know months or all of a sudden want to come and see us, want to give our children a hug, and that our anxiety might still remain about their safety. But if they're okay, how do you have that conversation about actually, maybe I don't feel comfortable seeing you yet, or maybe I want to set some boundaries around us seeing each other. I think for some people, there's almost a kind of avoidant reaction, you know, let's just deny the anxiety and pretend that none of that ever happened, and we'll just open the world out again and everything's okay. We'll just ignore that that kind of threat that still continues in the background and then for other people you know there's much more returning towards that threat and thinking about well if that is still existing what can I do that will make me feel that my family and myself are still safe even though things feel a bit uncertain. How does someone do that then if we want to turn towards it and actually Mm. you know mindfully kind of think about what's gone on Mm. happening now you know for me it brings up so much confusion kind of like Mm. feeling in me like things not being as they seem because it felt like you know we were told really strict things and you know Mm. fear we were told about you know not having contact with elderly people and how to handle it in schools and yet suddenly now my personal feeling is that a lot of that is like kind of gone away and it's Mm. like we'll try and stay two meters apart but crack on it is my feeling Mm. how do we navigate that as a family what could someone do listening thinking yes I feel exactly the same 
I think it is around exploring what it means to you and your family. You know, that's a very individual thing for everybody. And some people are more risk averse than others. Some people have different individual circumstances. So if you have, you know, a family where you have been shielding, obviously this is going to be a more anxious time as you see the world kind of opening up a bit and that might increase your feeling of vulnerability. So there's something about thinking about all of those different factors that impact on you individually and as a family and how you then want to manage those things and that's something that can happen through conversation with a partner if you have them but also being able to find out what facts are rather than looking at all of that opinion that's out there and there are really good websites the government website has very clear stats on it you know there are other websites that have popped up that just have really clear stats rather than any kind of opinion around what that means and I think if you want to gather information that's where you go and reading things on social media even reading opinion pieces on the news can really raise our anxiety because it just leaves us with even more unanswered questions. I've been thinking about this in kind of attachment terms and in the sense of what we look for from our caregivers, which in the last few weeks have been the government. And we want our caregivers to be really containing and make us feel safe when we're feeling under threat. For some people that they have felt contained by the government, for other people they haven't, and that has raised anxiety. So I guess it's also about thinking what is going to help you feel contained and safe. You know, who else are the caregivers out there that you can look towards who are make you feel safe and maybe that's NHS workers maybe that's key workers who continue to make you feel safe and to help life feel okay for you but it might also be friends partners other family members you know looking towards those people who just help you feel held in amongst all of that anxiety that is such a good point I hadn't thought of it like that and I think as you were talking I was kind of bubbling with gratitude to you both because you both took a leap of faith and have joined me in creating the Family Reset Plan, which is out today, actually. And I'm not going to get emotional, or maybe I will, but I feel like (laughs) two of you, you know, in the sections that you teach in that plan can be that safety net. Because Mm. you're both so experienced, you are both so boundaried and contained, and the resources that you share in there, I think can be that safety net and particularly Mm -hmm. some of the activities that you talk about Emma can you give us you know someone is feeling anxious they're all in the plan you know and in the plan it's got this really beautiful we've had this amazing designer on the project and the workbook just looks far more beautiful than I dreamed it up and in there is some really grounding different activities that people can do but maybe Emma could you just share one that you teach in the plan yeah with pleasure maybe now even when they put the podcast down or even pause it and do it well I think my go-to which I think is really effective for parents particularly if you've been working if you've got small kids at home is to use a technique which doesn't take any time at all and it is literally just about pausing in the moment but you know often we can kind of rush from one thing to the next really quickly we are not pausing to think about how we're feeling and what can often end up happening is that our stress levels are just going up and up and up through the day and we haven't even noticed and then at some point usually in the evening usually when the kids are messing around in the bath or somebody's not eating their dinner we just pop and there's a bit of an explosion and we don't know where it came from and that's just us relieving the pressure so if we can take just time to pause during the day and you can do it now as you're listening you just take the time to say to yourself this is what I'm doing right now right now I'm listening to Zoe's podcast this is what I'm doing right in this moment and it just brings you back to 
this just this time because this is our life happening right now it's not happening later on when the kids go to bed it is happening right this moment so all of those reminders that we can have through the day that can just help us remember we are here right now and this is us in our bodies doing this at this time and it just helps to bring our adrenaline levels down bring our cortisol down remind us of what we're doing and then we can okay we set and carry on it's so beautiful that really is. And can I just say, I don't know if you noticed it. We both did we it. We both did it. We both As went. talking, we both just had <laughs> an exhale. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, we we're yeah. obviously very attuned. We are. <laughs> we're obviously very, I mean, you, I know you are very good. And that's the way it is. It's so effective. Mm. It sounds so mm. simple, almost like too simple to even make any difference, but it's so effective. We have to remember that the simple things are yeah. the most effective. And yeah. it's anything where you have to actually remember what to do is not going to be effective when you're in a really stressed out state because your frontal lobes have gone, your memory isn't working as well as it normally would. It needs to be something that is so, so simple. And you can put a post-it note on your fridge just to say pause. And then every time you go and get something out of the fridge or you put it on your kettle or you put it on the bathroom mirror, every time you see it, you just go, huh, okay, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think it just never fails to amaze me how simple these kind of interventions are mm. and yet mm. how they can instantly just change the yeah. course that mm. you're on. I think it's Anna Matha who I just love her analogies and she talks about how you know if you change an autopilot by 1% you end up in a totally different direction. Mm. That is so true. Like I remember this through the day, like just taking a breath I just end up at a different direction. I just mm. end up not screaming at Jessie when she is mucking around at bedtime, which happens every night at the moment. Mm. Talking about kids mucking around mm-hmm. at bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing, and it would be good to get both your thoughts on this, but I'm mm. witnessing this in my own life because my little Jessie, if you listen to the podcast, I talk about her a little bit. She's four and a half. We actually went away for most of lockdown to guys parents we did not break any lockdown rules we are not dominant Cummings <laughs> we were there before lockdown and we came back after lockdown and we saw no one the entire time we quarantined two weeks before so that we could make sure we absolutely didn't take anything out of London but since we got back to London she started showing some anxious signs to me we've talked about this Naka, but mm. she started biting her nails and mm. her hair mm. yeah and I'm wondering if you're seeing that in lots of different children, kind of having different responses and reactions to this, we actually did a national survey, didn't we, as part of releasing this reset plan out into the world. And sadly, but not surprisingly, 85% of parents told us they were worried about their children's emotional health right now. And I would put myself in that 85. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm worried about, have I done enough to contain Jessie's anxiety? Like, is she okay? Are you seeing that more broadly? I mean, the stats are there, aren't they? Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us about that, like children's response to all of this. No, absolutely. I think it's safe to say <laughs> that virtually all of the parents that Claire and I work with through Mellow Nest and even actually just parents who are kind of follow us on Facebook and are in our Facebook group. And it was interesting to me that, you know, some of the um, things that we share, we shared an article and I think it was maybe... I think it was sometime in April. So we'd maybe kind of been in this sort of real lockdown period for like a few weeks. And it was easily our most shared and most 
interacted with post and it was about children's behaviours and are you seeing a change in your children's behaviours at this time? If so, this is why. And it was, and it was, you know, it was just, it was really talking about all of the different behaviours that parents are likely to be seeing right now because of the way that their children are feeling about this situation. And I think to some parents, it was a bit of a surprise, not a surprise, but they perhaps hadn't had that understanding, you know, because they themselves knew that, you know, they might have been feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed about what was happening. People were worried about their jobs, people were worried about finances, people were worried about health, all kinds of things. And so they knew that they were having that feeling in themselves, but perhaps hadn't quite taken that thought to, oh my gosh, my children might be feeling something mm. too. Because if you think about what happened to our children, oh their worlds got turned upside down, down overnight. Yeah, just like that. And I yeah. think if we, if parents didn't, as you say, like actually even whatever a parent did, it makes total sense, Complete sense. that a child would... You know, I know for Jessie, her bedtimes just got later and yeah. later and later mm-hmm. and later. And I kind of read that, mm-hmm. you know, actually, she just wants more and more connection yes. with me. Yeah. So I was just giving that to her. Like, I didn't have an evening to myself during that lockdown because I was stroking mm-hmm. her head hours every single night. But I knew that that's what she needed. That's what she needed. And, and I think that that actually is just making me think, you know, Emma, when you were saying about people needing to look for their container, I think mm. that's really, really important, not only in and of itself, but so that parents can then have the capacity to be that yeah. for their children, because yeah. that's exactly what children are needing right now, is that feeling of safety, that feeling of security in whatever way and to whatever degree a parent can give that to their child. That is absolutely what they need to well, be trying to do right now. Well, that's such an important point. And there's a whole module on this because we thought it was so important mm-hmm. in the Family Reset Plan. There is a whole module about this. Yeah. And you give even a script in the workbook for how to hold a child's feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so many parents, and sometimes, even though I'm obsessed with this type of work, sometimes I can even think, why is she being so naughty? Yeah. And it's like, actually, she's not being naughty. She is trying to tell me something. Talk about that, because I think that's such an important concept. It is. It absolutely is. And it's, again, it's something that we talk about all the time, this idea that behaviour is a form of communication and that children, not you know, I always say children because that's you know that's kind of grown ups too. Everybody behaviour is a form of communication for yeah. everybody, but yeah. you know, particularly for our children because they don't have the you know, depending on the age of the child or, you know, they don't necessarily have the language or they're just not able to articulate and say exactly what it is that they're feeling or that they're experiencing. And so we see that in their yeah. behaviours. But I think it's interesting what you said about it's so easy to kind of go into that, like, oh, why, is she being, why is she doing this? Why is she being so naughty? Why is she? I do think that a lot of the messages that are out there around, I say parenting, but, but you know, behaviour and kind of children's behaviour is, is very much that. And it's very focused on behaviour when actually what we really need to be looking at is 
the feelings and the emotions that are underneath but the prevailing message I think and we see it and we see it in a lot of the things like the techniques and the strategies that parents are often taught and I think you both know exactly well if anyone's listened to the Gabriel Marte episodes where you know a man that we all know and love very deeply Mm. time out is just but I kind of get it like oh no I stressed parent yeah 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 it's way easier when I was talking to my therapist about this yesterday yeah because I was saying how I was attuning to loads of Jesse's feelings and I said but it takes so much time it's exhausting it's exhausting and when you're dealing with your own stress and your stress levels are already kind of through the roof yeah that is just another stress you know and actually the the sheer noise and the stimulation of a child who is loudly expressing their emotions can be really hard to tolerate if you are in a stressed out state yeah and that's why you know we're kind of looping back around because we started this by talking about containing our own feelings Mm -hmm. because and I know Emma you are so brilliant the way you talk about this is that we cannot do that we cannot hold Mm -hmm. our children's feelings until we can be able to attune to our own yeah because mm-hmm. otherwise everyone's just triggering everyone and it's this hot mess and then you have to stick them in timeout or on a naughty step or shout because it's too it's, it's too, too much. much yeah so if a toddler's having a tantrum or mm. it has increased tantrums right now which we would kind of expect to see that right yeah how would you you know I know you can't go into specifics because every child's different Mm -hmm. but in your philosophy Mm -hmm. how would you suggest that someone is approaching that and it's in the plan yeah but just talk us through it I mean the key things really are and like you say you know it's in the plan and there's a bit of a script there that people can follow or just sort of use as an example to then kind of make their own and make it work for themselves and make it work for their children but the key things really and these are the things that I talk about in the plan but the key things are about really trying to make it so that your child feels that they've been heard and that they've been understood. So it's really these ideas around kind of acknowledging the emotions and validating the emotions and really just helping your child to to feel them, actually. And again, this does go back to, you know, in order to be able to do that as a parent, you have to be able to be okay with your child's feelings. Mm. And that can be so so difficult it, that is be, so hard it's hard I've been on a it's big really journey hard. with this as it's I really hard because actually what that requires is for a parent to be able to be okay with their own feelings mm. yeah. yeah and we often haven't been taught that and I think that's the yeah. thing that we, a lot of us in our generation really struggle with because if we one of my clients calls it 80s parenting techniques you know the kind of we're just not going to feel we're not going to feel those emotions yeah. stop crying yeah. it's all okay that kind of dampening down and even if they're very benign messages that have been given that it's not okay, big girls don't cry, boys don't cry, all of those things that we hear growing up. And, you know, you are then grappling with that internal message while you are trying to contain those tears. And I think that is particularly when you're stressed, you know, what comes out are those very natural automatic responses, which is just shut it down just shut it down. I can't deal with it. It brings up too much for me. I wasn't taught how to deal with this myself. So it's not an automatic response. It's something that has to be really thought about. And it's a conscious effort if you haven't been raised yourself to, you know, be able to process your own emotions to then think about how are you going to do that for your child. It's it's so complicated. And I think like you were saying, Neka, those parenting books that are all about behaviour, they don't talk at all about why it's so hard for us to actually do that as parents. That's that's why I started this platform. 
because I'd gone on my own recovery journey from you know a really challenging place that I got into myself with my relationship myself and then I started reading his parents book and none of them referenced how I how you and I was like this is bonkers so that's why I started it but the one thing that I would say it's very different as you say to what nurseries might advise or schools might advise or maybe talk about that because I had a rant at you about that the other day didn't I yeah but what I've noticed with Jessie is that when I attune to her feelings and I label them, it looks to me like you're really sad. I get you're really sad. It makes sense you'd be really sad. I'm telling you that you can't have another ice cream when you really want one. Now, I think it's ridiculous that she's crying because she, she's already had one. <laughs> but in her world, right? So, so, so yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just let her have that feeling. Yeah. The biggest benefit, there are many, 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 but for me, busy working mum. And it just makes me so excited. It goes goes away quicker. And do you know what? I was at play date the other day and Jessie had a meltdown and I did my whole instant attunement. I'm quite, you know, if I'm in a good place, I can do it quite well now, Mm -hmm. partly because... I've had NECA as my, my personal parenting coach. <laughs> and this mum was like, her jaw dropped. Yeah. And she said, oh my gosh. She said, I could see Jesse listening to you. I could see Jesse processing the feeling. And it kind of stopped in yeah. like, what, 90 seconds. Yeah. And, you know. It is the most incredible. And I think it's what, you know, what we were saying before about the kind of difficulty and sort of, you know, how long it takes and kind of how difficult it can be. And so the default then is to just try and stop it, try and stop it or to shut it down or to fix it because then that will, that It'll be quicker. will make it stop and it will yeah, be quicker. Yeah, timeout's quicker. It kind of isn't really, no. you know, it might feel like it in the moment, but actually I think the thing that I am most, well, one of the things that I'm passionate about many things, but one of the things, you know, within the work that I do, one of the things that I am most keen to get across as an idea is that parents are laying the foundations for their children now. And so, yes, this is hard. This work is hard. It's parents doing their own work as well as supporting their children. But actually, when you can think about what you're setting your child up for in terms of their life, it sounds quite big. It sounds quite grand. It's that, you know, it's almost kind of a bit too incomprehensible. But actually, I think if, you know, parents were really to ask themselves, what is it that they really, truly want for their children when they think about them as grown-ups, when they think about them as adults, maybe even having their own families one day, you know, what is it that they truly want for them? And my belief is that whatever people's answers are, underneath all of that has got to be a foundation of emotional health and emotional well-being and the ability to recognize understand and manage and healthily express their own emotions and that can only come if parents do that work with their children yeah that is the core Anna. I know you're the same like that is the absolute core of my passion because you know as kind of 80s kids which you know the three of us are it was all about success and academic achievement Mm -hmm. And actually, there's an incredible study by Richard Lanyard, who co-founded Action for Happiness, that shows that the biggest factor Mm -hmm. that will determine someone's happiness in their life is emotional health. More than education, more than family setup, more than social economic status, status, more than any other factor, if we can get our kids 
all right with feeling their emotions, handling their emotions, giving them some tools. That is the number one thing. And that's why, you know, Emma, you were really vocal about this at the start of lockdown with the homeschooling. Yes. Oh God, those colour-coded timetables drove me to despair. (laughs) And I know all three of us were thinking the same. It's the pressure. It's not about academics, guys. We're going through the biggest challenge in our lifetimes. You know, we haven't had war. We've got coronavirus and yet as a collective what I noticed with parents out there was hysteria about homeschooling and I get that I get there was pressure from schools I get it but I think they need to be voices like our three voices saying put your homeschooling down and focus on the emotional health and that's really what the plan does right the plan is that stress is still very real for parents and children the stats Mm. we've been talking about show that let's focus on fixing how everybody's feeling and then yeah we can start to worry about times tables and algebra Mm -hmm. and exams and but it's a big shift that isn't it yeah it's huge and I think you're right to say that people were feeling all kinds of different pressures and have different thoughts and feelings about learning and you know kind of academics and and school and I know we had this conversation didn't we that actually for some people that's really important to them isn't it Mm. and actually for some children you know that's really important to them you know to keep up with their learning and they want to and but the thing that I found that I was talking to parents about the most is if it was feeling like it was a battle (laughs) Mm. it was feeling like actually you know, your children were really struggling and you were really struggling and actually it was just turning into this really difficult experience. That wasn't helpful. That one, you know, that's not helpful yeah. for anybody. Yeah. And the thing that I always say, you know, when I work with teachers and talking about children who actually do have some real challenges, you know, around their kind of social and emotional development, and they're talking to me about, well, you know, they're at this level and they need to get to this level. And I'm saying to them, they're not going to get to that level if they haven't got the skills to manage that emotionally. Mm. We need to start with that. Yeah, you're so right. And this is why I am sometimes uncontained and that I, as you noticed, just then I can get really passionate and think this is the most important thing. What you just did there, Necker, which was why you are a doctor of psychology. (laughs) (laughs) So you were like, well, hang on a minute, Zoe, because... It's not that we need to ditch all academia because to some people that's really important. And what that kind of made me think about was values. Yeah. And that's a big part that we talk about in the plan. I actually teach a question on what's important to you as a family. Yeah. Because sometimes I can get really blinkered because what's so important to us as a family, and Guy and I prioritise emotional health of ourselves and our children above anything else in our lives and I can sometimes forget because I don't have the training that you guys have for other families they might prioritize academics Mm. you know so it's really understanding about what your values are as a family yeah which is in the plan like there's an amazing kind of Mm. process that I teach to help you figure that out and then from there thinking about okay how do we navigate this time as you were talking about Emma you know when you know your values I think mm. easier to navigate this lockdown easing and the greyness because yeah. you can think well I know that's really important to us as a family yeah. so actually even though we're doing something different than other people are doing yeah. we're going to stick to this yeah it's a, kind of a bit of a superpower you know one of the ways that I used to think well I do think about this is this idea that 
And it's interesting because I don't know, and I don't know how many people listening to this will be thinking, oh my gosh, like what are my values? Mm. What are yes. my values for family? You know, I don't know that people will necessarily have kind of sat down to think about that. And when Claire and I do workshops, there are questions that we will ask at the beginning to kind of get people thinking. So when I was saying about, you know, if people are thinking about what do I want for my children, you know, when they are grown, when they're kind of older and they're living their own lives, it's coming back to that. Because it's that idea that, you know, I often say, like, if you, you know, you run a business, you don't run a business without a strategy. (laughs) You don't Mm. run a business without a plan. You know, you have your one-year plan, your three-year plan, your five-year plan, you have your strategy, don't you, in the bits that bring you back to, okay, if we're going to take this action, does that fit with our plan? Does that align to the things that we've set out that we want to do? And it's actually no different for families. That's so right. You're so right. I think it's all, it's been... Mm. word I wish we'd have put that we should have put that (laughs) we can add that (laughs) I think there's something about this time as well isn't there that is making people reevaluate their values and you know if we think about the slightly existential crisis that has come up for a lot of people around well life as I know it is not quite the same and lots of life is the same and you know for a lot of people actually the really important things have remained the same but That idea of just, okay, so if I really kind of pare things down to my bare essentials, what actually is important to me now? What is important to me and my family? And for so many of the parents that I've spoken to through this period, the one thing that they've really enjoyed is not having all of the pressures from other people in that period of real lockdown where no obligations to see friends, no obligations to go to meetings, no obligations to do things for the PTA. You know, it was just this is about us and our family and actually what do I really enjoy about being with my family and spending time together that's been easier for some people than others I think if you've got parents you've been trying to work full-time or if you've been continuing to go out for work obviously you'll have had a very different experience but I think for many people there has been that kind of reassessing of you know what is actually core for me and also maybe questioning some of those external expectations that have been placed on them and I said very flippantly before about the colour-coded timetables but you can just see in that example how quickly that external pressure comes in for parents for everybody I mean that's where I'm looking all the time is you know what are these little messages that we're just being given all of the time about what is expected of us and so often for parents what is underpinning so much of their actions is that I'm not enough as I am I need to be doing more and maybe to feel enough I need to have my timetable so that we know exactly what is going to be happening during the day and if I can just stick to that timetable I feel like I'm doing the right thing for my kids and then I can go to bed feeling like I'm being a good mum today but actually then as soon as you veer off that your child doesn't want to follow that timetable or actually you know some work comes in and you just can't you know everything sort of falls apart because everything is kind of being put into this one basket you know thing there can be a bit of an inflexibility of thinking when you kind of bring in these external pressures all of a sudden then you're not doing enough and then you're failing in your role and you're not meeting that external expectation and then where does that leave you and often for parents so much guilt and shame will come of that and actually just stopping to think 
do I even agree with that expectation? Do I even want to do that timetable? And again, thinking about the values, well, what do we need to do right now? And maybe it is just focusing on our emotional health and our well-being and enjoying spending time together. Maybe it is actually having a really strict routine because that is what works for us as a family. But it's about doing what is right for you and kind of being able to question those messages that come in from outside. I mean, they're just everywhere, right? Once you start to notice them and you start to kind of peel off the layers of, you know, what is the purpose? Why was the conversation around homeschooling when we entered into lockdown, when so many families were at that point under the most enormous pressure and thinking about how am I going to work from home? How am I going to look after my children? I've got no childcare. And everybody at that point is in such a state of stress that it's very hard to think rationally. It's very hard to plan. And on top of that, then, well, here's 500 emails from school over the curriculum and what you've got to do this week. And if you don't submit this to, you know, whatever online platform, the school, or four or five online platforms for some schools, then you feel like you're failing as a parent. And again, I think the values of what is your vision of success as a parent? What is it that is going to make you go to bed at night feeling like, yeah, I did a good job today? That's a really powerful question. What is your version of success as a parent? And that changes, doesn't it? So as lockdown is easing, as we record this, I mean, who knows what is going to happen tomorrow or next week? Mm. You know, Emma, I love the way that you talk about, and you talk about this in the videos that are within the family reset plan, you know, linking stress to expectations. So Mm -hmm. if we want lower stress, one of the quickest ways to do that is just to lower those expectations of ourselves and people around us. How does someone actually do that? I mean, you've given a bit of a hint with that super powerful question, what's my version of success as a parent? But if someone feels like, yes, I can feel those expectations, you know, the invites, the play dates, the schooling, the holidays, you know, starting to power up and someone might be feeling that anxiety or stress creeping back in or getting even more heightened. We know it's already there from the study. What can someone do? Do you know, that's making me think about boundaries. And I'm sure that you've had that a lot in your work, Nika, recently, that actually I think one of the things that was really nice for people was that they didn't have to set their own boundaries. They were being set for them. And particularly as women, we find it very hard to set boundaries around our time and our space and our energy. We are often very used to saying yes to things and looking after other people, meeting other people's needs, making sure that we're kind of pleasing those around us. I think for a lot of people, some of the stress at the moment that is being caused is, well, hang on a minute, how am I going to carry on working? And if you've got school-aged children now, maybe I've got kids home for the summer holidays and I've lost any form of childcare that I had from school. And now I'm being asked to also go on play dates and meet my friends for drinks in the pub and go to picnics and barbecues. And maybe I just can't do that, actually. Maybe this is all I can do at the moment is just get by with working and childcare. Maybe that's it. And I think having to then say, this is my boundary this is what is going to work for me. For other people, it's going to be, yeah, I'm going to go to all of those barbecues and I'm really so celebratory about the fact that I can do that. But again, it's thinking about the pressure that you might be putting on yourself because of those expectations that are coming in. And it's a very hard thing for a lot of people to learn to set a boundary around your energy and your time because so often we're kind of conditioned to think that we mustn't let other people down. But being able to say, 
this is where we are at. And maybe where I am at in my family is different to where you are in your family, but this is where I'm at. And having to just be okay with that, that this is what I've got capacity for now. And often we can come up against quite a lot of resistance. It's very hard, especially if people are used to us meeting their needs and not putting our needs first. That's such a insightful point I hadn't thought you know I talk about boundaries a lot and I hadn't thought actually that what lockdown gave us was some enforced boundaries so as lockdown eases Neko what are some of the things that we need to watch out for that our children might be getting more stressed we're kind of coming into the summer holidays and once we get to the end of the summer holidays, then actually there's going to be thinking about school, isn't there, and the transition that's then going to happen. So for children who haven't been back or parents haven't chosen to send their children back, we're going to be moving back into that transition, you know. So that's definitely something that I know is going to be a source of worry and, you know, kind of might be difficult for parents and children to manage, you know, to kind of go through. And again, that sort of transition it's something that I talk about in the reset plan. So I think, yeah, just being mindful of that, that transitions are often not easy. Yeah. And this is going to be a particularly difficult one. But I think, you know, Emma, everything that you said just then is just so helpful for people in terms of being able to make up their minds or make some decisions about, okay, what is it that we are going to do here? Because what is it that feels mm. right for us? Yeah. Actually. Do we send them back? When? What yeah. does that look yes. like? No. If you have a partner, if you're you know co-parent, there will be conflict as well about, you know, you but often in a partnership one parent is a bit more risk averse than another. So how are you going to manage those conversations? You know, that's a whole other story. Yeah. I mean it's like even though there's that feeling that things are easing we've talked about this a lot like I actually think for parents this time that we're going into now which is why we're putting the plan out now in some way is going to be harder you know particularly that transition back you know some children haven't been in school since March and then when they go back it's all going to look different you know I know Jessie was crying because she Mm. went back to nursery but her best friend wasn't in her bubble yeah Mm. and in her little world that's and I used a lot of the tools that you taught me and you're going to teach others through the plan to help her figure out that and what that means and yeah I was thinking when you were when you were talking before Necker about how you know what we haven't been able to do which we I think we often really try and do as parents is to protect our kids from things and then something like this comes along yeah and it's like okay I've tried to keep my kids safe and here's a global pandemic and what do I do with that (laughs) and actually I think one of the things that you were talking about before around how do you just you know hear those feelings that arise it's not about protecting them from bad things happening it's about supporting them through that and being able to hear what comes up for them. And I think that's it. And again, thinking about containment, how are we going to contain ourselves, knowing that in September and over the summer when you know there's less structure, some kids will not react so well to that. Mm-hmm. How do we contain ourselves? Because they are facing these difficulties, we can hear it, sit with them, help them process it so that they can actually then feel okay. And I think it's really important to remember that, right? That kids are really resilient. And if we're okay and we can help contain their big feelings, then they are very likely to get through this okay. And I think, I think yeah, so to enable children to 
being resilient, it requires yeah. that, doesn't it? They need that support, you know, and they need that help from their parents. And that's just making me think, Emma, what you were saying about, because the other thing that I think is going to be quite common is perhaps going to be a common feeling for parents is the desire to kind of fix everything and kind of make things better, mm. you know, because there's going to be lots of disappointments, you know, lots of things will be mm. not able to happen or things will be cancelled for various reasons. So in those instances, again, it's not about just trying to kind of make things better or to try and say, oh, but we can do this instead or we'll do this. Yeah. Mm. Yes, there will be things that you can do instead, but it's not about jumping over the feelings to get to the thing that's going to be better. Yeah you know go through the feelings and help sit with them yourself but also help your children to process those feelings that they've got those disappointments those feelings of upset about things that they're not going to be able to do that they might have been really really looking forward to this summer and for us too like to have someone go to us oh it's really sad that you haven't seen your parents for three months or because we need that as well don't we that containment and you know how powerful it is when we can say I am feeling so mixed about this I'm feeling so sad about this I'm feeling really anxious about this and someone can say oh I hear that I hear what you're experiencing without any qualification you know without any and I'm so sorry or this is what we can do or don't worry it's fine at least thing is always the thing that makes me go I was just going to share that's what I did with Jessie when she was really upset about friend not being in the bubble I just validated them because you know actually isn't it an amazing life skill to be able to give our children to handle disappointments yeah. and I know with my 80s parenting that I received everything was fixed for me my mum in that same situation would have been in the school asking me to switch bubble yeah and actually yeah. I get it it comes from that such deep place of love yeah. right of wanting to make it okay yeah but having grown up with that parenting it means that I really struggle sometimes yeah. to accept things that don't go my way or process things mm. You know, so it's such a gift to be able to give our children through this time, you know, we could reframe it actually as what a time with resources like the plan and other resources out there to be able to give our children some amazing transferable skills, life foundation, skills. Life, like foundational about, yeah. life skills. We're talking about life yeah? skills. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. we're coming to the end. We could talk about this all day. I mean, we do talk about this for two and a half hours. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in much more detail. It's not supposed to be a um, you know another version of that. Before we close, I always ask the same question. Mm-hmm. Emma, you've answered this before, but Naki, you haven't. So I'll ask you first. Okay. I always end every interview with the question: If you could give all mothers, parents in the world right now, what would you give and why? I think I would give a gift. It's one gift, but it has two parts. <laughs> You're so generous. Is that allowed? <laughs> no, that's within, let me let me consult the rule book. <laughs> yeah, that's allowed. I think it would be, and just reflecting on everything that we've kind of been talking about and what's underneath that, or what really is really, really kind of important in that, I think is for parents to have the ability to know what it is that they need to do I guess self-awareness in order to be able to support their children with all of things that we've been talking about. So I guess, you know, if there are kind of experiences that people have had or things that they particularly find tricky, I guess, you know, thinking about their children's behaviours or the things that might come up for them, for them to be able to have the awareness to be able to process that and do that work. And so I think the second part of the gift actually is the courage to be able to do that because I know that Mm. actually that can be really, 
really hard. So you would give self-awareness and courage? Yeah. God, that would be a great gift. Emma, what's the gift you would give right now? Can I give two as well, then? My first gift for parents at the moment would be an extra pair of hands, actual physical, practical help, because even before this period, so many parents are struggling with just coping on their own, often parenting in isolation, dependent on external sources of childcare often, and with those having been taken away and often very little understanding from employers about the impact of that, Mm -hmm. I would just give them somebody at home to help them cooking dinner and cleaning up and just doing whatever needed to be done changing bed sheets all of that stuff because that has been so hard just that practical emotional and physical labor that has been involved for parents in the last few months has been like nothing I think it's before and I've seen the conversation sometimes when people have said yes well you know, we looked after our own children, you know, they're your children, you have to look after them. That way. I've seen and heard that response from some people. No one has ever had to look after children in this particular environment before. And so I think the second gift that I would give would be understanding that of actually just what it is that parents have been through. Understanding and acknowledgement, not just from the people around us, but at a higher level too, from government, from the people who are making the decisions. I think a lot of parents were really heartbroken that pubs opened before schools and nurseries and there has been a lack of value that has been placed on the role of parenting and that I think has had a deep emotional impact on some people. So acknowledgement that what people have been through has been incredibly hard. Mm. So those would be my two. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, you two. What would be your three gifts, Zoe? (laughs) I'm just going to give one. And my gift, without sounding like an absolute marketing crazed woman, would be the reset plan. Because you two, in the reset plan, talk about all of this in so much detail. It is going to be free if you're an NHS worker. We also have a big pot to give away for anyone under financial hardship. And it's only going to be £25. And I know for some people... That's a lot of money. So if you can't afford the £25, contact us. We're going to give it to you. And if you can afford it, I think it's a gift. You know, I know that I've created it, but it's only what it is because of you two. It's not too crazy to say that. Not too narcissistic. <laughs> 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 I've done it myself and I was given it as my gift. So I might need to, I might need to be a <laughs> but yeah because you two have really made it what it is so thank you for being here today thank you for giving so much of yourselves to the plan and therefore to all the people that are going to access it I think it really is a gift thank you thank you for having thanks Emily you're welcome So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So 
If that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my program which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.